We are back here. Uh, we're talking about employment law and everything under that banner. And we'll get to uh, terminations without clause. And uh, before that, we get or, to... Or terminations week, without cause. Without, or clause, you know. Clause just, or cause. We yeah. were talking about cats before we went on. Right. So that's the clause I was thinking of. Uh, or cause would do just as fine. <laughs> but first, the, uh, the week that was, how was it? Thanks, John, and welcome to all our listeners. Uh, we're here to talk about employment law, answer your questions about your workplace rights uh, and workplace situations. So let's start with the week that was. A couple of matters that I dealt with uh, this week that uh, I, I think are interesting and some of our listeners may be able to identify with. Mm-hmm. So the first matter, John, it, it finally happened. I finally came across what I consider to be the worst severance package, Come severance on. offer I have ever seen in all my years of doing this. Do share. So let me let me share. Uh, so this is gentleman that had called me, He's a, he was a senior manager making about $150,000 a year base salary. He worked for about 12 years. Now, in addition to his salary, he was paid a car allowance. He earned two different types of incentive bonuses. Wow. He had pension. He had benefits. Now, after 12 years, and the guy was about 61 years old, he was offered eight weeks of base salary only. Now, I assessed him as being entitled to right around 18 months of wow. compensation yeah. instead of eight weeks. But, of course... He would have to include his bonuses and his pension uh, and his benefits and, and all the components of his compensation. The car, too? or at least oh, The car, right? absolutely. Yeah. Now, especially the pension here was a big deal because if he'd continued on the pension for the 18 months, he'd be able to qualify for a higher pension down the road. Yeah. So all in all, the difference between what he was offered and what he was owed was right around half a million dollars. <laughs> okay, $500,000. Are kidding me? Incredible. Wow. Incredible. And, you know, he, he felt, he thought, that the offer may be somewhat off, which you is think? why he called yeah. me. Yeah. He had no clue that it would be half a million dollars worth. And, you know, even though this is obviously an extreme case, and then most people that are going to call me or that are listening to the show are not going to have severance offers that are about half a million dollars shy of what it need to be. But it's fairly symptomatic of what I see out there. Uh, severance packages that are not very good at all in terms of the number of weeks or months that they ha- the individual has to get paid, number one. And number two, that they don't include all components of compensation. Remember, John, the rule is that your severance package has to include all components of compensation, salary, bonus, benefits, car allowance, stock option, pension, et cetera, et cetera, all components of compensation. And if that, that's not included, it adds up very quickly into real dollars and cents. So for this gentleman, we're working right now in resolving his matter, and I'll keep you guys posted as to how we do because that's a pretty incredible difference, half a million dollars. He must have fallen off his stool when he told you when he saw that. About yeah, him. I, I mean, I, to see his face. I, 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 I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, I, he didn't know if he was supposed to laugh or cry. I mean, it was just one of those things that, that uh, uh, it, it's shocking and for no other, uh, no, no other way to describe it. Someone's getting a bottle of wine for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that would <laughs> be great. So. I think maybe more than one, don't you <laughs> yeah, think, John? Of a case or a, maybe yeah. a winery, possibly. <laughs> a small winery. We would do fine. That's right. So the other matter, uh, interesting matter. Uh, this is a matter that my one of my colleagues, Lumi, uh, resolved uh, in the last week. So this uh, this lady that was Lumi's client, uh, she was offered a severance package from her employer after three years of employment. But the severance offer said very clearly that she had to sign it and accept it that same day, the very no. day that it was offered. Yeah, no, you yeah, said no, no because you know that that's wrong. Except in this case, that was put right in there in writing, and the employer exerted pe- uh, pressure. Uh, the idea being that the implied pre- uh, threat was that if you don't accept it now, uh, you may not get anything. So felt compelled, felt pressured. She signed it on the spot oh. and handed it over to the employer. And, the employer had offered her four weeks of severance after three years of employment. Uh, of course, after she signed, she couldn't sleep. She was very upset about it, and she ended up uh, calling my office and spoke to Lumi. 
Now, because of what happened, because of the pressure that the employer had exerted by making her sign the offer right there and then, we were able to get around it. Null and void. Absolutely. Uh, It's completely inappropriate. And by getting around it, what that means, we're able to negotiate proper severance closer to six months uh, of of severance instead of the four weeks that she was offered. Now, there's a very important lesson there for both employers and employees. Mm -hmm. For employers, you do not want your severance offer to say you have to sign it now. You want to give the individual an opportunity, number one, to obtain legal advice, and number two, at the very least, to consider it, to have the time to properly assess and consider the severance offer. If you don't do that, it's not going to be enforceable. So what's the point of even having a severance offer to begin with if it's not enforceable? For individuals, irrespective of what the employer says in terms of having to sign this right now, it's up to you to take the severance offer, take it back home, read it with your spouse, read it again and again, get advice if you need to. Call a lawyer. Yes, give me a call. Use the severance pay calculator. Make sure you understand it uh, and, and, and only agree, only sign it once you've had a chance to do that. If it means being beyond the deadline that it's imposed by the employer, that's absolutely fine. Take a quick break. We'll get into termination without cause. The number is uh, 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900. To get a hold of Lior directly, you have Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Lots more of the show coming up on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. It's uh, 1-855-821-5900 to get a hold of Lior outside of show hours anytime, really. Uh, I want to talk about termination without cause. What is it? Yeah, John, thank you very much. And and we started talking a bit about it last week, but uh, we didn't get through it because we had a lot of calls, which, by the way, we encourage. It's great to get a lot of calls. But, uh, you know, for the sake of making sure that we are all on the same page, us and our listeners, let's talk about termination without cause. Termination without cause, first of all, is the most common form of termination. And and the word termination, by the way, John, is, is what we use when employment comes to an end. Mm-hmm. A lot of people use different terms, layoff, fired, uh, all kinds of things. The, the, the simple term is termination. If you're no longer working for a company, if the company has made a decision to let you go, your employment has been terminated. Now, termination without cause can happen at any time and pretty much for any reason. The employer's only obligation is to pay severance, to provide compensation. So whenever we're talking about a termination without cause, in other words, a termination with severance, with compensation, reason doesn't matter, performance doesn't matter, even seniority doesn't matter in the sense that a company can let go of a good employee, a senior employee, as long as they pay them proper severance. Even though they did nothing wrong. Even though they did nothing wrong. And most people that call me are very upset, not so much about the issue of severance, because the employer let them go. I did nothing wrong, or the employer uh, was unreasonable, and they let me go, so I feel feel I'm I'm wronged. Well, that is not a wrongful dismissal. That is not illegal per se, as long as the employer pays proper severance. So the problem is where where things do become illegal is that in most cases, in my experience, over 90% of these cases, the severance that the employer offers is completely inadequate. Now, not necessarily always to the tune of half a million dollars, as as we talked about earlier, but often and almost in every case, it's significantly inadequate. And why is that important? It's important because this severance, this money is what the employee needs in order to survive while they're looking for other work, to pay their bills, to pay their their child's tuitions, to pay their mortgage. So a termination without cause, it can happen for any reason. Usually it's a restructuring, it's cost cutting, uh, it's a change in direction, uh, but really it can be broad. The exception, John, is that the termination without uh, cause cannot happen for a discriminatory reason. So it cannot happen because of someone's race or ethnicity or because they're pregnant or disabled. Uh, but short of that, it can happen for any reason. So what does the uh, the employer, what do they have to do when it's letting an employee go? 
So if it's a termination without cause, uh, i.e. we're going to have to pay severance, well, first of all, the first thing you have to do is figure out the amount of time for which you have to compensate the employee. Is it two months? Is it six months? Is it 24 months? And, and how do you do that? Well, the main factors you look at is the employer, the individual's age, length of employment, and the type of job that they have. And on that basis, you have to determine the amount of time. You can use the severance pay calculator to help you determine that. Once you've determined that amount of time, let's say it's six months, well, you have an option. Option number one is you can give the employee notice. So employee, I'm telling you today that in six months, you're no longer working for me. I'm giving you six months notice of termination. If that's what happens, as long as six months is the appropriate amount of time, then you, the employer, would have complied with your obligations. You don't know the employee anything else. That's option one. Not as common. The more common option is that the employer is going to want the employee to be gone right away, the same day that their employment is being terminated. So what happens then? The employer has to put the employee in the same position as if they had received notice. So they have to get paid that six months, to, to, to use that example. So they have to get their salary for that period of time, their bonuses uh, for that period of time, their benefits continued, everything they would have received had they worked for six months. So that's the employer's obligation, either to give notice or to put the employee in the same financial position as if notice was given. You include uh, benefits in there. So if I'm let go, say this six months compensation that I, I'm, I'm up to or I'm, I'm getting, can they give me a lump sum as far as money but still can carry the benefits for six months? Because you can't give lump sum benefits. Right. No, exactly. So benefits have to be continued. And in most cases, yes, an employer can provide a lump sum payment for the, for the money aspect of it. So here's six months salary, John, and we're also going to continue your benefits for six months. So that's one of the options. Some employers are going to rather continue uh, salary over time. So do what we call salary continuation. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Usually that's a negotiable point. We've got Joe in Toronto. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the show. Hi. You got a question for me? Uh, or go ahead. Yeah, I do. Uh, it's about my wife. She's uh, she's uh, currently in a position, uh, man- senior management position right now. Uh, she's been there a long time. Now the boss is um, is right is um, is making her life absolute hell. She's uh, she's uh, now taking drugs to uh, to to calm herself down and anxiety. He, there's he gets drunk at work um, and and he'll sexually harass her and. And all kinds, you know, talking to her being a stripper and how she's hot and all the rest of it. Come sit on my lap. All this kind of stuff. Oh, kiss me. How can you never tell me I'm gorgeous? All this crap. So what I would like to know is, can she um, uh, quit and still be entitled to severance because of all this stuff? Because this is now daily. This stuff is happening. Yeah, and, and you know that that's a terrible situation, uh, Joy. I understand exactly why your wife is is upset, and and that's completely unacceptable for her, for anyone to be in that situation. So here's what I think needs to happen here. Ultimately, uh, the, the only concern I would ever have in this situation, from a legal standpoint, is can we establish what the what her boss is doing to her? In other words, if it's just her word against his, I'd be concerned in terms of proving it. But assuming we can prove it because there's other people that are witness or there's other corroboration, then certainly uh, she can... He's got emails. She's got emails wow. from him uh, saying all this, that he's calling her. I, I see. call her at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning to talk about how he can't sleep and how, you know, he's, she's 
hot and all the rest of this stuff. Right. So, yeah, no question. First of all, not only can she quit and get severance, and why is that, by the way, is because every employee has the right to work in a workplace environment that's that's not poisoned, in a workplace environment that's free of harassment, uh, that, that's free of intimidation, uh, that's supportive. And when something happens to change that, yeah, they're allowed to walk away and get their severance. We refer to that as a constructive dismissal. But there's even other issues here. The employer is under a, a uh, active legal obligation to protect her. And given the fact that the, the allegations are on, a, are on a sexual basis, then this is sexual harassment. That's a violation of the Human Rights Code, which is illegal. So there may be a claim here against this employer for violations of the Human Rights Code for failing to prevent this situation from happening. Now, before your wife quits, I don't, don't want her to quit before she speaks to me, okay? There's a strategic okay. way to do this properly. Uh, and, and, but no matter what, I, I think that until we speak, she should take some time off. She should get the doctor's note, giving her some time off. I don't want her to spend another day in this workplace, in this situation. But give me a call. Let's talk about this off air. Uh, and I, I'm going to want your wife to resign ultimately, and we can pursue her severance. No question about it. Joe, you got a pen. I'm going to give you a number right now to get hold of Lior. That is 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900 or Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We'll, uh, we'll take a short break. More, uh, more phone calls coming through. This is the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. And you want to get a hold of Lior directly after this. It's 1-855-821-5900. We'll talk to Peter in uh, Newmarket. Good afternoon, Peter. Hi there, guys. Quick question for Lior. Um, recently, that fellow that got canned at the CBC, yes, uh, Lior had said on uh, several occasions that he could not sue because he's a union member. Mm-hmm. Um, once you're terminated, could he not say, well, I don't work there anymore, I'm no longer a union member? No, absolutely not. That's not the case. He, he is a union member. He was a union member. The relationship arises as a result of a co- uh, collective agreement. So he absolutely cannot sue. So uh, for those of you that, that have not heard what I had said before in, in various forums, Mr. Gomeshi, uh, whether he did what it's alleged of him or not, is not able to sue the CBC. His lawsuit has no merit because he's a union member, not because of, uh, of what he did or didn't do. So no, that lawsuit is going to be dismissed uh, fairly quickly. I'm surprised that's the first uh, Gian Gomeshi phone call we've had. It's 26 after 1, right? Yeah, we may get a couple I more. I thought we get flooded. We'll take uh, Sherry in Toronto. Hello, Sherry. How are you? Oh, you're fine. Fine, thank you. Uh, how are you doing? Good. You got a question for Lior? Go ahead. Yes, I have a question. Mm-hmm. I, I, at my workplace, suffer a series of abuse that followed a disc- act of discrimination. I currently have um, a human rights um, file complaint with uh, against my employer as well I have arbitration but most recent events is the one that I'm actually calling about is that um, the Ministry of Labor I called in the Ministry of Labor uh, following um, the fact that I was I based on all the things that has been done to me I began having panic attacks and during my work I, I, I encountered a panic attack and was taken to the hospital by the by the ambulance from my workplace. After that, my um, employer said that they, they were given a release from the hospital saying I'm able to come back. They refused to accept me back to work because I said I was going to stage an uh, unsafe work environment. So they decided to keep me off. The Ministry of Labor came in and did an investigation. And while they were there, the Ministry of Labor, the gentleman said that he, he was going to do a, 
he was going to put an order in for my file because when he spoke with the director, she said to him that he is welcome to walk through the environment along with the other two inspectors that came out with him, but I am not allowed. So he decided I'll just order her file and then put in an order to, so that he can meet and speak with the person, about, um, the highest person in my division. And the, they, um, the, the director that he spoke to made a phone call to his boss, and then his boss contacted him in the middle of the investigation and told him to cancel it. Now, are you a part of a union, Sherry? Yeah. Okay. So, first of all, uh, you know, from an overarching standpoint, I can tell you that the only one that's allowed or able to help you in this matter is the union, no matter what, no matter exactly what the specific issue is. Now, this may be a human rights issue. It may be potentially a constructive dismissal issue. Uh, it, it may be a workplace health and safety issue, or maybe a bit of all of those issues. But it has to be the union that, that helps you. And the only advice I can give you in a situation like this is you need to work with your union, you need to insist on proper representation uh, that uh, can hold your employer accountable to for what they've done. Uh, you're not able to deal with this on your own, unfortunately. You're not able to retain a lawyer. It has to go through the union, very similar to what we were talking yeah. about with Mr. Gomeshi. So I, I'm, all I can tell you is that it seems like things are progressing. There's a human rights complaint, you said. There's an arbitration coming up. So hopefully the arbitra arbitrator finds in your favor and this matter can get resolved and you can go back to work in a, in a good and healthy work environment. You know, I was big with salary and benefits and protection, huge unions. I thought they were always good. The more we do this show, the more I'm souring on them because it's scary if you're in this situation. You, you have no alternative. Yeah, no, and you have to take that, that, that bad uh, with the good, I guess. And no, you don't have any alternative. And I personally don't like being in someone else's hands. Uh, and, you know, I, the, the union has other considerations. So they may have political considerations. They may have, uh, you know, I'm, am I going to help the, uh, this individual when there's a collective bargaining coming up or we're going to try to convince the employer to give pay raises so we, we may not want to upset the employer. Needs of the many outweigh yeah. the needs of the few, So right? it, yeah. it, it doesn't work really well. Yeah. well it, the, the union doesn't really help you when there's a problem because the union has other considerations. That's why uh, many people that call our show call me uh, when they're unionized. I have to tell them, I can't help you. There's nothing yeah. I can do. And if the union's not helping you, you're pretty much out of options. I always hear about the, uh, the rules of one week of severance for every year of service. A lot of people think this is this is gospel. Now, we know it's not very accurate, right? No, forget about accurate. It, it couldn't be any more wrong, in fact, John. It's not <laughs> even close. Uh, this rule, you know, quote-unquote, of a week of severance for every year of service is nonsense. It doesn't exist. It's fake. It, 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 it's not there. Uh, that only applies with respect to a person's minimum entitlements, which are, for the most part, irrelevant. A person's full entitlements are significantly greater than a week per year of service or two weeks per year of service. Mm -hmm. uh, they could be several months per year of service, uh, depending on the, on the situation. So I want all of our listeners, uh, you know, if you've always believed that it's a week of severance for every year of work or two weeks of severance for every year of work, to forget that. It's not that. It's not even close. And it's because people have these misconceptions that so many people accept completely inadequate severance. They don't know any better. They think that, well, it's a week per year of service, and they've offered me a week and a half per year of service, so I guess I'm looking at a good offer when they should have been offered two months per year of service. Well, like your, your client said off the top, you know, there's a guy making massive 
salary as a right. manager, obviously well-educated, figured, hey, eight weeks sounds okay. Not even close. Not Half even, a million off. Not even close. And it doesn't apply just to, to senior executives. Yeah. Every employee is going to be entitled to significantly more than a week per year of service. When we come back, we'll tell you how that's calculated. Lior's number, you got questions outside of show hours, one 821 5900 This is the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. We're here to take uh, your calls. Lior's email, by the way, Lior, L-I-O-R, at the Employment Hour. Dot com and one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Just before we get back to the uh, the phone calls here, you mentioned just before the break, not talking a week per year. We're talking proper severance, how it is calculated. So it's based on three factors I mentioned at the top of the show: the person's age, length of employment, and the type of job. And how is it uh, looked at? Well, the longer you work, the older you are, and the more senior a position you have, the more severance is owed to you. So because of that, no two situations are identical. Uh, and uh, we have to look at them uh, in every situation on its own. Short service employees are often going to get more severance than longer service employees. So people with five-year seniority or less may often get several months of severance per year of service. You know, you may have an employee that's worked for a year and may be entitled to six months of severance right off the bat. Uh, but uh, and, uh, and I'll tell you more about, uh, about the severance pay calculator in a second. But forget about this week per year of service. There's no direct linear uh, correlation that you can tie between years of service and severance. It's not a week per year. It's not two weeks per year. Steve in Toronto. Hi, Steve. Welcome to Hi, the show. How are you? How are you doing? Good. What's up? Okay. I have a job before working for cleaning, right? And I'm a little bit disability, right? And I, I earn my income and stuff like that. How can I get my job back to work again? Because I wasn't, wasn't going in reliable and stuff like that. So I want to get your opinion. I want to go back to work again, and I want to say that I could go back and work four or five hours. How can I do that? So if I'm understanding correctly, at some point, Steve, you, you, something happened, you became disabled, yep. and you stopped working. Yep. And how long ago was that? A while back, about uh, September. Okay. So what you need is you need a a letter from your doctor Mm -hmm. clearing you to return to work. It has to be very specific. That says, Like saying uh, I could work four or five hours? Exactly. That Steve is able to do his work and he needs Mm -hmm. to work four hours or five hours Mm -hmm. a day. And also describing if there's any physical limitations. Mm -hmm. The employer has to take you back, has to accommodate. If the employer refuses to do that, Mm -hmm. not only can you be entitled to severance, there's potentially Mm -hmm. human rights issues. Mm -hmm. So get that note to the doctor. If they take Mm -hmm. you back, everything is fine. If they okay. don't allow you to come back, you need to call me, and I can okay. help you at that point. What's your number? Steve, that number is one 821 5900 Again, what's one, what's Lior, name? L-I-O-R, Lior. Okay, you. yeah, it's one 821 5900 See, it's always good to make that phone call, right? Absolutely. So if I get uh, 107 packages, boom, drop them on your desk right now. Out of 100, how many are adequate? Well, you know, I, I was telling you during the break that I probably see an adequate package once a month. And I speak probably, I don't know, with several hundred people every single month. That's crazy. I'm going to tell you that of the 100 packages that you put on the desk, uh, uh, probably Five to ten are going to be adequate out of a hundred, so you know somewhere between five to ten percent are going to be adequate. Ninety to ninety-five percent are not even going to be close. And I'm not talking to the tune of you know it's off by a thousand bucks. I'm talking about off to the tunes of probably tens of thousands of dollars. Hi, Susie. Hi. Um, How are you? Not too bad. You okay. good? Go ahead. Um, I basically want to get some. I need some guidance. Um, I work for an employer where I had an asthma attack at one particular location, and then they would not allow me to return to um, the assignment and the locations where I used to work. 
where I didn't have any uh, asthma attacks. And so in order to accommodate that, they they have now placed me in isolation for it's going on two years now. I'm sitting alone in a room by myself. I have no human contact with anybody else. Um, I have no meaningful work. Um, So subsequently, because of that, I've now... Uh, suffering from a secondary medical condition. And um, so now um, I've brought that forward. And now my employer is saying in order to accommodate this secondary issue um, where I've been placed in isolation, that now they want to return me to the original location where I had an asthma attack. And, um, like, I, I do, I am part of a union, but I withdrew my grievances. Um, so that I could pursue a human rights application. Right. Um, so, um, like, I'm just need some guidance and assistance. So, with- the the best thing I can tell you, Susie, is that what you need in the workplace and what the employer has to do has to be guided by what your doctor says. So you have to always provide them with specific information from your doctor saying, here's what she needs. Here's what the type of workplace that Susie needs to accommodate her in order, she, in order that she can continue to do meaningful work despite her limitations. Now, it's not necessarily up to you to say, well, I think the best environment for me is this environment or that environment. It has to come from a doctor. If the doctor is specific, okay, the employer can either accommodate, ask for more information, or say, I'm just not able to accommodate. This type of accommodation that that you're requiring is just not something that's available. It doesn't exist here. In that case, you may be able to go on disability leave to the extent there is a disability plan through your workplace or that you have otherwise, but it has to be guided by a doctor. On the other hand, if the employer refuses to accommodate for no uh, apparent reason, you're right. You may have a human rights application which you can pursue on your own as opposed to a grievance, but I would want to be sure that your doctor has provided some very, very specific information as to what you need. Again, she has to go through the union, all steps of this, right? And, and on a human rights matter, you, might, you can, in certain situations, yep. file a human rights application with the Human Rights Tribunal in Ontario outside of the union. We'll talk to uh, Dominic in Etobicoke. Hi, Dominic. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, man. Go ahead. Lior's here. Just a quick question about salary continuance and that proper process. Uh, I mean, you know, if you, if you select a salary continuance as opposed to a lump sum payout. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just wondering, you know, they say you're supposed to, you know, if you find a job within the time period that your payout is, then you got to... Right. Like, how does that work? You're just supposed to let the, your former employer know? Like, So, have- okay, I understand your question. First of all, I mean, if you agree to a severance offer that uh, that says that we'll continue paying you, but if you find another job, we'll cut you off or give you half of what's outstanding, then it's the legal obligation is on you to inform your former employer when you find another job. And if you don't, then later on they find out that you were working, you just didn't tell them as, as you agreed to do then they may potentially take legal action against you. Uh, So that's not a good idea. Now, in most cases, we can do one of two things when you're let go. Either we can negotiate a lump sum payment, okay, or we can negotiate a situation where uh, it's not every job that triggers the 50% reduction. So maybe if only if you find a job where you make the same salary as you did, or only if you find a full-time job, because you don't want to get less severance just because you decided to take a, a part-time job once a week to kind of keep busy. So uh, in most cases, we can negotiate better uh, pa- package. So what I propose is if you've been let go and you're looking at a severance offer, Give me a call. Let me give you an opinion uh, as to what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Dominic, that number, 
1-800-259-1900. We'll take a short break here on the air. You can give us a call, and uh, we'll get back to the phone call shortly. The Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Lior's number, by the way, on his hip is one 821 5900 George, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for taking my call. No worries. Uh, I've been working for a uh, European-based company for the last 25 and a half years, and uh, just received notice that uh, they're requiring all positions to relocate back to Europe. And I'm not prepared to to move at uh, this point in my life. I'm 60, yep. but I'm not ready to retire yet. Now, George, did they tell you specifically if uh, your job is going to end, come to an end, if uh, you don't relocate? Uh, yes, that's correct. Uh, all, all the positions need to relocate back to Europe. And they give you a date when you'll be gone if you don't relocate? That's right. They, they notified me a month ago, and it's going to be uh, effective March 1st next year. March of 2015? That's correct. Okay. So uh, and, and I guess your question is what happens if you don't relocate? Yeah, I am not going to relocate, no. so I, I think that's constructive dismissal. Well, it's not constructive dismissal. It's a flat-out dismissal, because if you don't relocate, they're going to terminate your employment. So, yeah, no question you're out severance. Now, uh, you, you were given notice, I guess, in, let's say in October, that your position will end in March. So call it six months of, of notice. That right. notice, that six months, to the extent that they give you a specific end date, uh, counts towards your severance. Uh, and someone in your situation, and you said you're in your 60s, you'd be looking at right around 24 months of notice slash severance. Therefore, come uh, March, if uh, nothing changes, you'd be owed roughly an, another 18 months of compensation on top of the six months notice that you've received. Now, that also includes uh, all components of compensation, so salary, bonus, benefits, car allowance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Anything less than 18 months for you would not be adequate. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, it does make sense. It's just the 24 months. It just struck me as kind of a, a bit of a, a bit of a cap on what I thought. You know, with, with 25 years, I thought it might have been more than that. At 24 months is generally considered the cap, the maximum that anyone gets. In some extreme cases, uh, there have been cases where someone got more. In your ca- situation, it's probably not likely to 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 breach that uh, that threshold. So 24 months is what you're looking at. And remember, if they give you notice, that notice counts. Towards the 24 months. Towards the severance. Towards, and so if, when that happens, if you don't get that eight, extra 18 months, you certainly need to call me and we can talk and, and uh, resolve it. George, I'll give you that number. Excellent. Thank you very much. Yep. That number is one uh, 821 And that's the first time, I think George is the first call we've had where someone's going, wow, I didn't expect 24 months. They were expecting more. Yeah. You know why? Because he hasn't had a package in front of him yet saying we're giving you a week per year. Right, right. Most <laughs> right. people would unfortunately receive a lot less, and uh, hopefully he'll get his 24 months. We'll get to uh, Richard. Hi, Richard. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yep, sure. Go ahead. Uh, mine's a little bit uh, complicated. <laughs> of course, it's... Uh, I got indefinitely suspended without pay last Thursday from where I work. And it was, hello? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and it was basically, uh, I, it was, uh, I had gone into human resources, and it was a question and answer. There was really no allegations. I was just asking, oh, if a person does this or a person does that. And, of course, I was asking about the sort of executive committee of our union. And the two people that suspended me with the signature on it is, of course, the local I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. Let's say it would be like the president of the United States. The word president is key here. Right. And the, um, but in that midterm, I've been, been investigating with the Union National about certain, you know, things that I just, I'm asking questions about, not making allegations, just mm-hmm. looking for guidance, and no one has got to me. And, you know, and I feel that I got suspended under an Article 6 because 
I, they asked me a question. I had a piece of paper with someone's uh, uh, time hours from, uh, I believe it was Sunday, the, the past Sunday. And I, they asked me where I got it, and I said someone had, I opened my locker, and there was a couple pieces of paper on my locker. Well, now, let, let me, let, Richard. Uh, time. I don't have one blemish on my record. Well, Richard, let, let me let me stop you there. Ultimately, the question is whether or not you were suspended for good reason, uh, and and you know that you would have to do something wrong. There have to be some form of misconduct. They can't suspend you because you don't like what you're saying. That but uh, that said, the only one that's allowed, that's able legally to re- help you in this case to dispute the the uh, suspension is the union. Uh, and if you don't have the union support, then you may be in a situation where there's nothing you can do. In that case, you may have to file a complaint against the union with the Ontario Labor Relations Board, which is not really uh, something that, that's going to be very successful. So the only thing I can tell you, because you're part of a union, is you have to pursue this with your union. You're not able to deal with it yourself. And even if you, you did nothing wrong, and even if the employer here has wronged you, the only one that can help you is the union. Take another call before we go to break. Janice, how are, how are you? Fine, how are you? Thank you. Okay, go ahead. Um, I've recently, just actually just last week, been advised that um, our company has been sold. Uh, the, the closing date for the, for the purchase, uh, we're going through the due diligence right now, but the closing date for the purchase is scheduled to be December 16th. Um, none, of the, none of our executive team or the other staff have been told whether or not we are going to be offered employment with the new company or not. They're going to be making some determinations over the next month. How, if we are not offered employment, uh, what type of, and I know this is an open question, but what type of a severance uh, do, are, is the company required to offer us? Um, I know I was brought over from another company. I'm a director in this company right now. And they're basically saying to us, this is sort of, I guess, off the record, the president is basically saying they're only going to offer us what is absolutely the bare minimum which the labor laws are required to give us. Well, first of all, Janice, thank you for your call. That, that's, that's absolute nonsense. It's not up to the company to decide how much <laughs> the law decides that. So let's talk about your situation. Uh, how long have you been with this company? Um, uh, about a year and a half. I was brought over to help the company, and they did not tell me that uh, there was a possibility the company was going to be purchased. I was with this previous, the other company I was with prior to this, I was with them for eight years. Okay. And I came to this company um, with, I'm not not realizing that this, well, I guess, Maybe the, even the president didn't know, but not realizing that the company was going to be sold. And uh, how old are you currently, Janice? Right now I'm 59. So first of all, just on the basis of your position, age, and length of employment, you'd be entitled to right around four to five months of, of severance right there, okay, n- n- no matter what. Now, if we can establish that you were induced to leave secure employment with promises of long-term employment, you could potentially get credit for your past eight years and be looking at least at a year's severance. So, so you know, the range for you is quite significant. So it's not the minimum required by labor laws, which is only two weeks. It's significantly more than that. And 
each one of your colleagues would have their own entitlements based on their own specific situation. So all I can tell you right now is if your employment is terminated, if you're not going to continue employment with the buyer, then you need to call me, your colleagues need to call me, uh, because if the company is telling you they're only going to pay you the bare minimum, they're just telling you they're going to break the law, because the law, like our common law, requires them to pay you significantly more than the bare minimum. So very, very important. Give me a call if that happens. Certainly be able to resolve it. Janice, that number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one eight five five eight two nine two one fifty nine hundred. We'll take a short break and do another call in our last segment. President, that's all we're giving you. That's it. That's, sounds like an arse. Give me five minutes with him. <laughs> we got another full that's call before we wrap B. up. That's right. More of the employment hour coming up at Talk Radio AM six forty and AM nine hundred CHML. Get to some uh, important stuff here in the last few minutes. I'm going to bounce right over to the uh, the severance calculator, severancepaycalculator.com. Yeah, and John, you know, I just got an email, actually. I thought I'll, I'll mention it quickly before we talk about the severance calculator, because this is something we'll talk more in detail about next week. But okay. I just got an email from Sean in Ottawa, and he says that he was just placed on a temporary layoff after working for the company for nine years. Uh, he has no idea if he's ever going to get called back. So what should he do? This is his question for me. So we'll talk about it more next week about this concept of temporary layoffs. But temporary layoffs are not legal. There's no such thing as a temporary layoff. A temporary layoff is a termination in a non-union environment. So what does that mean? If you've been laid off temporarily, you have a right to treat that as a termination and require the employer to pay you your severance now. You don't have to sit at home and wait to be called back. So my advice for Sean is if you don't want to sit at home, you don't know if it's going to happen, you need money now because you have to pay your bills, we can treat that temporary layoff as a termination, get severance now, and, and not have to worry about what's going to happen in the future. Okay. Now, in terms of uh, the, the severance pay calculator, well, we, we've mentioned it before, John, and we talked about the way to calculate severance. We look at the age, length of employment, and position. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that someone gets six months severance, 12 months, eight months, or something different? How does the person know? Well, obviously, you can always call me and I'll tell you exactly how much severance you're, you're getting. Or you can go online right now to severancepaycalculator.com, enter the length of your employment, your age, and the type of job, and it's going to calculate right there online the amount of severance that you're owed. It's going to tell you how much, uh, if it's six months or 12 months or anything else. It's a great tool. We came out with it the last year. It's uh, literally tens of thousands of people have Big used time. it. Yep. Uh, it it's, it's works great, and it gives you a real idea whether or not what you're looking at, your offer, is appropriate. Or maybe you haven't uh, been let go. You just want to know in the future if something happens to me, if I lose my job, how much time am I going to have to support my family or before I, before I don't have money to support my family? So go to severancepaycalculator.com or use the app on iPad, iPhone, and Android and also go to terminationquestions.com to ask me a question. I answer that every few minutes. Uh, looking forward to all your questions. And Severance Pay Calculator, by the way, has a, an employer mode as well. So Absolutely, for employers thing. to find out their obligations. We'll wrap it for another week. The number to call uh, outside of show hours, which is about 30 seconds from now, one 821 5900 Again, Lior's number, one 821 5900 And it's Lior at employmenthour.com. This has been the Employment Hour on Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.